G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The church that I once pastored opened a counselling centre in a shopping mall. I introduced myself to the neighbouring shops, and one of the ladies said to me, are you qualified to counsel? I felt like replying, which school of psychology would you like me to be qualified in? Because there's over 250 different brands of psychology and there's no consensus amongst them. According to Christian counsellor Selwyn Hughes, studies have shown that, quote, Christian laypeople and non-professional counsellors are sometimes more effective in helping people with their problems than those with long years of professional training, unquote. He quotes a survey by Robert Karkov that compared results from those counselled by trained experts with those counselled by non-professionals. People who were counselled by laymen improved as much as those who had been counselled by professionals and sometimes even more. The fact is, it's the truth that sets us free. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. Well, sometimes we all could do with a little help from our friends, sometimes even a counsellor. And that's our subject this week on Set Free with Ken Legg. Hello, I'm Phil Edwards. And one-on-one counselling raises many important questions. Things like, is every Christian called to counsel? Shouldn't we leave that up to the professionals? Or do I need qualifications before I can counsel someone? The question you faced before, Ken, are you qualified? Or am I my brother's keeper? All interesting, aren't they? Yes, and of course, uh, Phil, we've got to say this, that there certainly are some areas of counselling which require the expertise of a specialist trained counsellor. That's a given, you know. But let's just answer that question, am I my brother's keeper, with a few other questions. Have you ever given advice to another Christian? Yes. Have you ever encouraged a fellow believer using the truths of God's word? Yes. Have you ever helped restore a Christian who has fallen? Yes. Have you ever given guidance to a couple who were going through marriage difficulties? Yes. Have you ever instructed someone how to renew their mind in accordance with the truth of God's word in a particular situation? Yes, and how did I do? Well, considering they were rhetorical questions, not wanting a response from you, you did very well. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually asking our listening audience, Uh, you know. I guess, though, if if the answer is yes to any of those things, you're a counsellor, is that what you're saying? You've already counselled. Okay, so... Is counselling a relatively recent thing? We tend to think of that, you know, the professional sense, that you've got to have qualifications and all of that. But with what you're saying here, it's kind of been around for a long time. You know, Bible times, there's plenty of examples, I suppose, uh, of people counselling the New Testament church. Uh, am I my brother's keeper? That's a good question. Yeah, well, actually, when you look at the New Testament epistles, they do show that the practice of Christians counselling Christians was something of the norm. Uh, there are several instructions to Christians to admonish one another. That word means to counsel one another. For example, in Hebrews 10, uh, verse 24 and 25, believers are encouraged to consider one another. That word means to look out for one another, take note of each other and what, what's happening in people's lives so that we mm. can not let people slip through the cracks, as it were. You know, um, In that particular church, by the way, Phil, you know, there, there was a practice of forsaking fellowship. 
So the writer of the Hebrew goes on to say, not only consider one another, but exhort one another. And that word actually means to encourage one another, to beseech or entreat one another, mm. to speak into one another's lives, you know. You've got that situation in Galatians chapter 6, where Paul says that um, if somebody's been overcome with a particular sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness or gentleness. And that once again, that word restore means to repair, to put them back together again. That involves counseling. Now, here's a very classic scripture in terms of counseling, one that's often referred to. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 14, Paul actually expressed his confidence that the Christians at Rome were, quote, able to also admonish one another. Now, again, that word admonish means to put in mind, to be mindful of someone, to care enough about them to actually speak into their lives mm. when they need that. In fact, somebody has actually translated that phrase, able to admonish, as being competent to counsel. Now, the thing I want to draw attention to is that in all these examples and and many others that we could quote if we had time, the general situation is that it was Christians counseling their fellow Christians. This was not an appeal to an elite group within the church that had particular skills in counseling, but it was just expected that we would all admonish one another and counsel one another. There was some structure in the church there. It's not like there weren't any leadership or pastors, as we might say in these days, but it was saying you lay people, I guess, um, admonish, encourage, counsel each other. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Well, how do you know if you're competent to do that? Because uh, different people are different levels of maturity and, and so on. Have you got any general advice for that? Yep. Uh, First of all, in that last reference that I quoted, that was in Romans chapter 15, Paul said that he was confident that the Christians at Rome were competent to counsel because they were, number one, filled with knowledge, and that's, of course, the knowledge of the Word of God because it's the truth that sets us free, Mm -hmm. and they were full of goodness. So let's just look at those two things first of all. They were armed with the truth. Okay, They had an ability not just to quote Bible verses like parrot fashion, but the skill to apply the principles of God's word to every everyday life situations. Paul says to the Colossians, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, mm. teaching and admonishing one another. And that's what it means is to get a grip of the word of God and how it works out in everyday life. The second thing, though, Phil, and we've got to really follow that Uh, very closely, is that not only were they filled with knowledge, but they were full of goodness. See, truth, of course, is non-negotiable. You can't say, well, I've got goodness, but I don't have truth. It's the truth that sets people free. But the way that we share that is important because let's never forget this. The the, the Word of God is a sword. You do a lot of damage with the sword as well as a lot of good with the sword. Yeah. And a lot of people have had their heads cut off, you know, because people have just wielded the sword of the Spirit, but done it without that goodness, that sensitivity, and, and we need both. Yeah, and the Bible tells us to, to speak the truth in love. You know, it's one thing to, you know, Ken say, I'm sorry, mate, you're ugly. But uh, <laughs> and I would never say that. Yeah, Ken, say it no. nicely. Oh, that's right. It's different. <laughs> I'd say with a smile. But you know what I mean. Um, the knowledge of truth and a good heart, the two basic things. That's what you're saying, isn't it, as, as far as qualifying yeah. us to counsel. Yeah. There's one thing I would add to that, Phil, and it's this. Um, a Christian counselor is someone who is healed and made whole. Uh, okay. Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, we comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted with. Let's paraphrase that. The best equipped people to minister to individuals in need are those who have gone through similar problems and have discovered God's grace in the midst of them. So it's not suffering in itself that qualifies us. 
It's discovering God's answers in the midst of those sufferings that we go through. Let's say, for example, um, and God forbid, but let's say, for example, somebody comes to me for counseling and they've just lost maybe a little child. Well, I've never gone through that experience. I've never lost a child, you know. Mm. And, and maybe if there was somebody in my church that had gone through that experience, the best thing for me might be to put them with that person. Yeah. Because those that are going through that experience right now would be asking questions, you know, is it possible to ever walk through this, to come out of this, yeah. you know, and been hole? And, and, and yes, yeah, so they've discovered God's grace and his faithfulness to them, even in the midst of that terrible trial. And so, so out of their comfort, they're able to comfort others. Now, let's just use an analogy here, Phil, as we finish up. You remember the Good Samaritan? Yes. Wherever he went, he took wine and oil. And, of course, he was the one that ministered to the man that was in need. Now, you look at those two things. Let's try to spiritualize them for a moment. Wine is made from crushing grapes under human feet. Now, many of us have had that experience where we felt crushed <laughs> under human feet, where we felt just yeah. trodden upon. We've all gone through it. Here's the question. How has it left us? Have we discovered God's grace? Have we found healing in the midst of that? Have we come out bitter or better? Yeah. Because if we have discovered God's grace and his healing in that, We've got something to offer others. Now, what about oil? Oil, of course, it was made from crushing olives between two stones. That represents the trials that we go through in in this life. And again, we all go through trials, but how do we handle those trials? Do we discover the, the sufficiency of God, God's grace in the midst of those things? Because if we do... We can emerge from those. We've got a a message to share with others that are going to help them as well. So talking about qualifications, Phil, the question I would ask is, have our sufferings equipped us to minister to others? Helpful advice this week on the subject of one-on-one counselling, and we'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.